This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our well, the Let's Talk Arsenal. I nearly said the wrong words there. You know, the Let's Talk Arsenal. It's like I do a show every single day at this point. But of course, the Canton and Simeu show, in which I am joined, of course, by Harry Simeu from the Chronicles of Aguna. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Trying to keep up with this uh, this Arsenal roller coaster that they're putting mm. us through this summer. It's just crazy, isn't it? You just, every time you want to have a day off or a bit of chill time. Mm. Something seems to break. <laughs> yeah, I've I had the last two days off, which has been nice. But I think I've done I did two shows this morning before nine a.m. because I did the usual eight a.m. show, and then the Jesus news dropped literally minutes after I finished. So I did another stream, and also this is the third stream of the day. Um, and then yesterday, obviously, we did a show in the morning as well. So yeah, four shows in the space of less than forty-eight hours uh, in two days off, as they're meant to be. But uh, you know, been out a lot. I think I'm pretty burned at the back of my neck because I forgot the, the sunscreen <laughs> like an idiot. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's been a good, decent couple of days. Have you managed to to have any kind of free time at all? <laughs> no, no. Um, I tried to uh, I tried to take Saturday afternoon to just chill out and watch the tennis. That was my plan. It was like mm. you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go get a haircut in the morning. I'm gonna come home. I'm gonna have some lunch, put my feet up and watch the tennis. And then the missus dropped the bombshell that she was uh, taking my my son to a birthday party and i was gonna have to look after the baby so yeah there was no time off (laughs) nothing at all you've got it all to come mate you've got it i know i was about to say i feel bad even moaning about not having much spare time without a child uh, so far um (laughs) but uh but yeah you know you're on a different level absolutely um i'm very interested obviously to do some chat about transfers uh i've obviously seen the chat box you all know that the situation news the story that's come out from the telegraph just before you start throwing questions into the chat box anymore and asking us about it, we don't know anything. We don't know who the person is. And, you know, for, you know, just for what's professional, we obviously aren't going to discuss something that we don't know the information for. So I hope you understand that. So don't ask us about any players. Don't ask us about this situation because we don't know. And there's no point us talking about something that we just, we just don't know any information about, especially when it's one as sensitive as this. However, what we do know uh, is a little bit about Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, uh, who has returned uh, with links to Arsenal. 
Now, Harry, this is a player that I have been pining for for quite some time. Um, in all of the kind of central midfield videos that we've done, he is the player that comes up most regularly in those conversations um, as like the world-class player who's not at one of those top, top clubs and could still be gettable. I know you did a show on, on him specifically earlier on, but to kind of just condense your thoughts on the player himself, how do you feel about him and, and these links, of course, too? This would be a really, really good signing if Arsenal could get this done. I mean, I've long admired Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. I think he's one of those players that you look at and you look at from afar and you think he'd be such a good fit for the Premier League. You know, often you look at players that are playing in, in different leagues and in different countries and the big mm. question mark is around how will they settle in the Premier League where the game is faster, uh, much more physical and where it's played at a completely different tempo, if we're being honest. And I think when you look at his physical makeup and his stature as a player, I think that he's well equipped to deal with the challenges that come from Premier League football. Add to that, he's got a great technical level. He also can contribute goals. He's not somebody who's going to be pushed around. I think he would be a really, really good addition to that midfield. I think a lot of people throw a criticism at him that sometimes he doesn't look totally interested um, that's one of the things that has been written in Italy quite a bit. But also, I think it's a narrative that has kind of caught fire a little bit from other places. My my take on that would be that with Milinkovic-Savic, he's someone who's just at a point where he's probably gone a bit stale at Lazio. You know, for, for years and years and years, we've talked about what a great player he is, the heights that he could go on to, all the things that he's capable of achieving. And it's never going to happen at Lazio. And there's been... No, no movement. He's not moved anywhere. And, and I think he's got to that point where he needs that move to almost give himself a kick up the backside and refresh and, and go again. So I'm not too concerned by that criticism that's often put to him, because I think if he does go somewhere else and, and a fresh challenge and given all the qualities he's shown over the years, I think he could be a really good fit on really. And I know you like him, too. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think he's a player that kind of defines the everything I want from that progressive left central midfield position. I know he can play and has played predominantly on the right-hand side, but we know from his history he can play on the left quite comfortably. He's captain Lazio, which is obviously that leadership quality in him that I like seeing these players that have got those abilities to lead squads. That's something that Arteta likes a lot. Um, I want world-class players at Arsenal, and I consider Milinkovic-Savic a world-class level player. Um, he's a player that obviously you have to invest in, um, and you're investing in a player that you're probably not going to get your money back on because of, you know, he's in his mid to late 20s at this point. It's, you know, a, a Thomas Partey kind of signing at that age where you, bring, you, you go for someone, obviously, that's going to be at the club into their 30s, and you're going to get a return off them for those prime years. You're not going to necessarily make any money back on them. But that's part of what you know, balances out a window where you've gone for the likes of Fabio Vieira and previously Tomiyasu and Ramsdale and Lukonga and Tavares, you know, younger players in combination with a world-class, more experienced player. And I mean, David Ornstein did a, a, an interview, I think it was, back in 2021, talking about what Edu's strategy was. And he talked about how Edu wants to combine these youth with world-class experience. And for me, Milinkovic-Savic, you know, is a perfect example of what that is. Now, let's talk briefly about, you know, the last time we spoke, of course, we talked heavily about links and about how we kind of differentiate what's true and false and our kind of view on things. The Italian media has linked Arsenal with a number of players this summer. I don't think any of which have so far come true. I mean, the Hickey one in particular sticks in my mind because... 
the Italian, lots of Italian outlets went very hard on that story. Arsenal were quote unquote close to signing him supposedly, but Arsenal never made an offer for the player. They may have been interested for sure. And now obviously he's moving off to Brentford. Um, we've been linked with a number of players uh, <laughs> this summer from that Italian side, I think Scamacca and whilst Arsenal and the Athletic have confirmed Arsenal's interest, it never seemed close. So I think I was there as a story from La Repubblica allegedly saying about, you know, how it was close and Arsenal were, you know, close to kind of agreeing a situation never happened. So am I fair to say that we probably should take these reports with quite a large grain of salt? 100%. I mean, when we were talking earlier on, I was a little bit less polite about the Italian media. I called it bottom of the barrel because it is a lot of the time. You know, they they do um, fabricate a lot of stories. Sometimes they take something very small and, and kind of, sensationalize it to the point where it becomes a much more attractive clickbait story than actually mm. it's worthy of being. And this could be the case again, you know, with this, there's, there's no doubt about that. You have to be very wary of them. I think with the Hickey um, situation, obviously that's a prime example of what I'm talking about. I think they, they heard that Arsenal were looking at the player, which I think the likes of Fabrizio Romano have since kind of confirmed that, you know, there was scouting done at least. And they turned it into Arsenal were close to signing him. And that's that's what you get. So I don't think that there's nothing in this at all. I think there might be something in this. I think there must have been an indication somewhere from someone that Arsenal have an interest in the player. But how serious that interest is remains to be seen. And and like you, I'm I'm very cautious about this because he's a player I really want. And I just, I can't, Tom, I can't get emotionally invested in this one. Uh, only to have my heart broken. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I tweeted saying, nope, nope, nope. I'm not nope, going to, not getting my hopes up, not getting my hopes up about this at all. Um, and yeah, I think I'd uh, highlight Mikey's comments here, feet firmly on the ground um, with this one. Um, yeah, not getting excited about this. If we start seeing English media corroborate the story, then you can maybe get a little bit more excited. So don't expect any tactical breakdowns on Milinkovic Savage just yet. Um, we're going to be pretty grounded and objective uh, about this one. However, uh, there was another midfielder, you know, linked to Arsenal this week with much more legit links. Uh, and that was the Lille midfielder Amadou uh, Anana uh, from, as I've mentioned, Lille, Belgian international. Uh, a good friend of mine and, and Belgian journalist Sasha Tavalieri broke the story um, that Arsenal, amongst a lot of other London clubs, are interested. There's also been reports that uh, West Ham have had a 23 million euro bid rejected for the player, which kind of gives you a sense of how much Lille value this guy at. I mean, whoever's signing players for Lille in midfield, we need to get hold of that guy because, you know, Basuma, Samara and now Onana have been fantastic for them. So, you know, we need to be looking at trying to recruit the guys that are doing the recruiting at this stage. What do you feel about Arsenal being linked, interested in a player that I would say is very similar in the kind of mould to Lukonga, not in style, but in profile of a young Belgian defensive-minded central midfielder, do we need this kind of player for that money? Not, not for me, Tom. Um, if mm. I'm being completely honest, I think the club made the decision last summer to go and get Albert Lukonga. Um, you know, and and I'd like to see him given some opportunities over the course of the season. But when I look at what what's needed for Arsenal to close the gap and and hopefully get into the Champions League next season, I think we need experience. We need players that can come in and that can make a difference straight away. I feel like we've done all of that, all the young players, you know, we've done all that, refreshing the core, building the core. And yes, you should add those players as and when they come up. Marquinhos is a good example of someone that, 
you've added, not because you think he's going to have a huge impact straight away, but maybe because of what he can bring to you in the future. And if Onana's going to come in for 30 million, then why aren't we going and getting somebody like Tielemans or, mm. you know, some of the, or paying a little bit extra and getting somebody like Milinkovic Savage? There's, there needs to be, in my opinion, uh, planning for now and not tomorrow. Like there has to come a point where you stop looking at the future and you sort out what the issues are now. And I just think that we're one injury away in that midfield at the moment from, from having a big problem again. You know, I think that Fabio Vieira's come in. I think he's an exciting prospect, but, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, is not, mm. there's no one's given us any indication of this, but it's just an opinion of mine. I think that he'll probably start his Arsenal career by playing from a wide position. I think that he'll he'll provide cover in those areas at the beginning until he becomes accustomed to what it is we're doing to English football. Um, so I don't think he's ready to come straight into the midfield if in the event, you know, let's say Granit Xhaka was unavailable. I wouldn't really trust in that. I think that when we lose Xhaka or Partey, the drop-off is still big. And that's mm. why we need another player that's going to come in and give us that bit of depth. Maybe something a bit different, somebody who's a bit more forward-thinking, who's a bit more advanced, who will play like that eight position that we keep talking about this summer. I don't know why, but the sun's like... I was just look, I was looking at you thinking, what's going on? <laughs> like the sun is coming down. and it's Do you want to go and sort your blind out? I can vamp window. and chat the checkbox for a second if you want to sort it out. I will in a second, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think that we need a, a ready-made solution, not one that we're going to have to stick in the oven and wait for. Yeah, I agree. Right, Harry, I'll let you go and sort your light out while I tackle the chat box just for a second. <laughs> I just love that. It's like a porthole was looking straight onto Harry's. It's like there was a godly light looking down on him. Uh, maybe he knows something we don't. Uh, Patrick, uh, oh, no, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to go to, let's go to, it's really difficult trying to navigate Harry the chat box right now to kind of search through different comments that I can't obviously discuss some of the stuff that we've been talking about. So let's try and go to Sai, who says, Jesus is shining a light on Harry's face. That's it, divine oh, light. <laughs> Do, uh, Lynn says if the rumours are true Tom and Harry these are quality players and we need them also it shows that we're making a statement and shows ambition I mean one of the things that we've seen from this window so far with obviously the signing of Jesus the links to Rafinha that clearly we bid for the guy and we wanted him you know a player of that level I know that doesn't mean a lot to people and some people say rumours don't mean anything but you know in January going trying to convince Dusan Vlaovic to you know come to Arsenal it never happened of course but clearly Arsenal are in a position or they feel they are in a position with Arteta and Edu that they can start to target these big players. And Jesus, I think, and Partey, of course, in the past as well, under that Arteta regime, are examples of us showing where we can go and get players that are on that high, high level. Yeah, for sure. And um, and that gives us encouragement as fans. You know, people were were really upset about the fact that we missed out on Champions League football, myself included. But I think if you look at the business that we are trying to do, I don't think it's made all that much difference to our summer plans. I mean, mm. I, I think Jesus was a target before. We've heard that, you know, from David Ornstein that Lissandro Martinez has been being spoken to since the beginning of the year, which was before we knew whether we'd be in the Champions League or not. We've heard from Ben Jacobs that the Tielemans interest has been there mm. for a long, long time. And what we keep hearing that these are players that we're being linked with who have been on the radar for a very, very long time. And the fact that we're still looking at these players and still considering going out and getting them and still trying to make these deals happen suggests to me that 
we haven't been as badly affected as we could have been by the fact that we missed out on the CL. Do you think that do you think that there is an expectation from fans on targets that is too high? Or do you think that we are now in a position and we've kind of, you know, arrested the slide to a point where we're now going in the right direction that we should be demanding Arsenal go for world-class players, you know, and I'm not talking about just, you know, the one-off Jesus, who I look at as a player who's verging on that world-class kind of level, or, or or is the one, a window, the one marquee signing that we used to do, say, of Alexis and Ozil, is that the Arsenal now we're, we're back to after a fair few years of kind of making some questionable deals? Yeah, I think to a degree, mate, I think that, you know, we we can sit here and say, why don't Arsenal pay the extra money and go get this player or go and get that player? Or why aren't we in for him? Or, and all of that, you can say it over and over again. But at the end of the day, you know, you've got to convince these players. There's so many moving parts to one of these deals, right? So you've got to convince the player. You've got to convince the selling club. You've got to appease the agent. There's so many things that can potentially break down on your way to doing a deal that it isn't as easy and as cut and dry as people make it out to be. I mean, we were all losing our minds last week when Chelsea came in and basically gazumped us for Rafinha. Mm. And now it's been a week nearly and he still hasn't joined Chelsea despite them meeting Leeds' valuation. Why? Because he's stalling because he wants to go to Barcelona. So ultimately, Arsenal could have put £65 million on the table and they Mm. still might not have got the player, which just goes to prove that it isn't as easy as that. And so, you know, you've got to think about all the factors that are involved when you're coming to these conclusions. Look, in an ideal world, we'd have gone and got a couple more players in by now. We'd have got a couple more deals that we keep hearing about over the line. But that's not that's not the reality of it. And and I I think you think the same. You can't be losing your mind on the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, by the way, to the Americans. Mm, absolutely. But you shouldn't be losing your mind at this point, right? There's still plenty of time. Is that not right? Yeah, absolutely. Just on the 4th of July, if you are listening from America, uh, thoughts are with uh, people at the moment. I know it's not had the best of Independence Days from the sounds of things, so thoughts are with you guys right now. Um, But in regards to uh, your question, uh, it's completely gone out of my head, so repeat it, please. (laughs) I was just saying that, like, we're really early in the window still. Like they're still. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. No, I know where you're coming from. Going. Yeah, I, I've been saying this for a long time. Um, you know, and I obviously did a show with Lev from the Arsenal Lounge. I don't know if you caught it. It was quite a good debate between me and him about you know, he his worries were around our Arsenal targeting the right players. He felt Arsenal were making kind of the same mistakes because we're not prioritising things and that links don't necessarily make transfers. And you know, I agree with him to a certain extent. But right now, you know, on this on the fourth of July, I I'm not sitting here and worrying about what Arsenal have done so far because there is, you know, a a whole month remaining before the season starts for us to get that business done. If we get to August in the first game of that season and we've not signed a central midfielder, we've not added that versatile depth to the the defence and fullback position, then I'll be criticising. You know, I'll I'll be critical of us, not Mm -hmm. because Edu obviously came out in, I think, what, May and said to ESPN Brazil, even April, that we have a plan, that the owners are with us, that there's this kind of synergy between what they want and what the owners are happy to do, and they're going to try and put that into action. Clearly, they've got specific targets. You know, we've not been linked. It's been a very different window to what we've come to expect. You know, I remember doing the first tactical breakdowns two years ago. I could practically do a tactical breakdown every day because we were linked to a new player every day. But this summer, you know, we're linked with a collection of players 
clearly some like Tillemans, Martinez, Jesus, Rafinha, that these guys were priorities. We've got one in Jesus, Fabio Vieira, of course, as well. And we didn't get Rafinha. You know, it wasn't a player that we were willing to go to a certain level of. And to be honest, I don't blame them for going to this, to not go to the 60s millions for a player that I would have considered, to be honest, more of a luxury kind of addition to the squad because of his lack of versatility as a winger and a wide forward. I don't consider a, a luxury wide forward someone that could also deputise centrally because that gives you depth. And I think we do need depth still in the middle. But yeah, I'm not worried at this point. I'm not losing my head. I'm not telling Arsenal to hurry up. I'm not, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Jesus thing, Tom. Like, mm. we all knew it was done. I couldn't for the life of me. Like, I had messages from from friends of mine and, and even just sort of followers on Twitter saying, what the hell is going on? Why are the club not announcing it? Like, yeah, you want it done and you want it to come out and you want to hear about it and you want to enjoy sort of the, the buzz that comes with it. But at no point was I worried about it getting done. So it's a different type of anxiety, if you like. And it's not one that you should let overshadow your kind of feelings. Mm. The other thing is as well, like, you know, it's it's the analogy I used when people sort of go mad about the transfer window before it's anywhere near closed. It's like going to a restaurant, ordering your food off the menu and complaining about it before it's even come to your table. Like, I don't yeah. get it. It's like, it's this willingness to... to have a go at someone and something and I, I just don't get it why would you do that to your own club I, I, I can't get my head around it I don't know no neither can I um thank you so much guys for dropping the donations by the way into the chat box uh, in about five minutes time we're going to be tackling uh, a lot of your questions I have been starring some of them in the chat um if you've already put some in but if you want to start throwing those questions in do use the capital Q to help them stand out um, let's go to Frantisek, who says, this is, I'm going to do this in the way that he's written it because he's donated. This is not a football manager people. Uh, we are still uh, one of the most proactive clubs right now. We are signing players. We clearly have a plan. Be patient. I know being told to be patient and as an Arsenal fan is probably one of the most frustrating things you can be told to do. Um, but when you are in July, I'm just asking you to be patient for a month. I'm not asking you to be patient for a month to expect signings. I'm asking you to be patient for a month before we start losing our heads and getting critical. You know, I'm not telling you you can't be critical about the window if by August in the first game of the season, we've not signed players in priority areas. But I will say that it's probably not the right time to start losing our heads. Now, even if we miss out on, say, Martinez and Rafinha, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world because the end of the world would be missing out on those targets and not getting an alternative of, of significant and equal quality. You know, if we miss out on those players, I'll be disappointed. And I am with the Rafinha because I was kind of excited about that. And I will definitely be disappointed if we don't get Martinez because I really like the player. But I'll be really, really annoyed and frustrated if we don't get the, 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 the alternatives. And until I see that time limit run out... I will hold my criticism until then. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for the kind donation as well. Um, I was watching the football terrace and almost missed you guys. I need to reevaluate my life choices. <laughs> Bring on both Milinkovic, Savage and Tillemans. Um, I mean, do you think both of them is a a realistic kind of thing to see? I think it's one or the other. If you know, I, I can't see Arsenal bringing in two players in that role. Yeah, not without any any significant departures. Um, you know, maybe if Granite Xhaka was to move on, you could see Arsenal needing to bring in a couple. But I just don't see it. I don't think Thomas Partey is moving on. I think that, you know, there is a plan in place for Lokonga, whether he goes on to fulfil um, the potential that we think he has remains to be seen. But I just know I don't see it. I think it is very much one or the other. 
and I'd actually just be quite happy if we got one in so that we can just address that mm -hmm. position. I'm not greedy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I would take either of them. Obviously, I'd prefer Milinkovic Savage, but you know, Tielemans for me is, is a great Premier League experienced option. I, I like you, I was watching your show the other day, as you know, because I left the comment. Um, I'm equally as frustrated about if the difference in valuation is, say, £7 million and less than one thirty-two million. You know, I think thirty-two million for a player of Tielemans quality and Premier League experience is still a very, very good deal for Arsenal. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about this idea, and, and we'll go on to the questions after this point. I talk a lot about the idea of the reasons and trying to explain to people who are getting very frustrated about, you know, Arsenal dithering or faffing about with the negotiations is the reason for that is because clearly there is a budget. You know, clearly there is an amount of money that Arteta and Edu and the recruitment team know they are kind of trying to stick to. And we've got a lot of positions that we're trying to strengthen. And we've already brought in four, you know, the earliest we've ever spent this amount of money in the in the club's history, I think, at this point. So we've clearly got a lot to do because we've done so much of it already. And Arsenal are negotiating and being frustrating on a public sense because they're trying to get the maximum value for the players they're going for. So that if they sign, if they were to say, go and get Rafinha for 55, 60 million, it could compromise them getting a Tielemans or a Martinez. But people don't, I say people, that's unfair. Some people don't really get that. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, you know, it looks like Arsenal are prepared to spend money this summer, but it's not unlimited. Like, there isn't just a bottomless pit of money and cash that Arsenal are able to dip into. There is obviously a structure within which they need to work, and and there are limits. And and as you say, if it compromises another position, is it the right thing for you? Um, you know, we've, we've been knee-jerk in the past, and we've signed players and paid over the top for players mm. in the past that have proven to be flops like let, let's be honest I like the guy right I I rate Nicolas Pepe as a footballer I don't think it's going to work at Arsenal though but I kind of wish that we had someone who was sensible enough and pragmatic enough at that point when we were looking at Nicolas Pepe to go hold on a minute somebody needs to put the brakes on here and think about this because 72 million pounds is a hell of a lot of money to pay for someone who even at the time when we were hyped and excited about it always represented a risk he did. He represented a massive risk. Hmm. And and that's where that evaluation process is broken because the, the problem was that Wilfred Zaha was going to cost a bit more or was going to cost around that, but they wanted it up front as opposed to, or more of it up front as opposed to the instalment plan that we worked out with Nicolas Pepe. But that would have felt at the time like less of a risk because of the fact he's, he's done it in the Premier League and there would have been a, a much shorter adaptation period. So I think sometimes you have to weigh up the, the cost with the risk and all of that has just not been done to a high enough standard at Arsenal over the years. And it feels like now we're in a place where we're better at that. There is going to be frustration sometimes when you see that Arsenal don't want to go that extra mile financially because we're fans and we don't have those restraints to work under. So it's very easy to go, oh, you know, well, they just didn't want to pay an extra £7 million. How many of us can pay £7 million for anything? None of us. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes the figures get lost in the world of football because so much money gets thrown around so frivolously. Ironically, not at Arsenal, which in a way, you know, maybe would make you think that we wouldn't. But 
yeah, it's a difficult one. Uh, let's tackle some questions. Uh, we've got 20 minutes left on the show. We're going to try and go through as many of these as we can. Uh, Code Spirit Productions says, Lazio are admirers of Torreira. Uh, had a great season last year and wishes to stay in Italy. Uh, Milinkovic Savic is an Arsenal fan from a boy's age. I didn't know that personally. Apparently, did you know that? I didn't know that. No, no. Uh, wants to prove himself in the Prem. I heard Lazio wanted Torreira and £42 million. Well, obviously, we can't verify that. But do you think there's an, an argument that Torreira's link to Lazio could be a sweetener that Arsenal may look to use in the deal? We saw it with Vlaovic, of course. We saw those links before. Yeah, for sure. And and Torreira's kind of, you know, desperate to get out now, hasn't he? He's kind of, he's named his price himself, like he's gone that far uh, because he, he really wants to, to make that move happen. Mm. Lazio's a, a good place for Lucas Torreira, I think. You know, the opportunity to go to Rome and play for a very, very big club. I think that Lazio have struggled a little bit since uh, Simone Inzaghi left and they kind of got it together towards the back end of last season and ended up finishing fifth, which was very respectable. You know, I, th I think Torreira would be a good Sari player as well. I, I think that that project may well appeal to him. And if there is mm. a an opportunity to use him as a make weight, then let's do it. What I would say is um, from some of the stuff I've been reading for FFP reasons, a lot of clubs would prefer that it's two separate deals. So yes, yeah. Lazio would rather reduce their asking price for Milinkovic Savage mm -hmm. and, then and then buy Torreira for yeah. cheaper than it being part of one deal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not the Alexis well. Sanchez and Mkhitaryan one. We bought, hmm. we bought uh, Mkhitaryan for, I think it was around 30 million. And then we sold Alexis for the same price. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, th there'll be a way around that for sure to, whatever makes the books look better, I guess. Yeah, um, that's what these top dollar accountants are paid for, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, there'll be, there'll be, uh, there'll be some, some credence to that. If we could uh, persuade Lazio to take Lucas Torreira, I've heard that they were interested in him, but it doesn't seem to be that firm, does it? I mean, it's never mm -hmm. really gone beyond the, the Italian media, which as we were discussing earlier on, can be a little bit unreliable, but I'd certainly make that offer to them. Uh, if uh, if I was seriously interested in Milinkovic Savic, yeah, I mean, look, um, he Torreira will be due back at the club soon um, because you know I think that the players are due to return. I think it's next week that we're on international duty. Um, Xhaka, I think, is still on holiday at this point. Uh, Jesus returned early because uh, he wanted to you know get the deal sorted and do all that. So fair play to him; he's trained today. Um, yeah. And we've seen, obviously, pictures come out. Marquinhos is now there as well. We've seen him with the group. That's great. I think he's been given the number 27. I think I saw photos of that. So he's involved. He looks a bit of a unit as well. I don't know if you've seen pictures of him. He's, you know, he's stocky. He's not like a little slight technical skinny dribbler. You know, he's got a bit of power to him. I quite like that. Um, so, yeah. And I think um, we've seen a few of the young guys. Patino. I think there may have even been a question about Patino that I starred in the chat box. Um, yes, there was. Uh, DA Apollon says, uh, who do you think will have a surprise breakthrough next season? Last year, it was Patino. I wouldn't describe Patino as having a breakthrough last year. Um, I think Smith Rowe, you could definitely say, was a breakthrough the season before last. But yeah, Patino's really kind of bulked up. I was watching before we came on air, the Brook Norton Cuffey interview and the glads on that talked about, you know, on the Brutal Game podcast that he's a bit of a unit. And, you know, it was interesting listening to him talk about when he was on loan at Lincoln, because he didn't really know anyone, didn't really have kind of contacts when he wasn't training or wasn't watching Netflix. He was in the gym, you know, and bulking up. So it's clearly a project, the gym and, the, you know, the muscle building and the strengthening that Arsenal are looking to do. So two-part question. Firstly, 
thoughts on that kind of the muscle building of, of players and seeing Arteta go for more power in his squad and I think we've seen that with other linked players too like Milinkovic Savic who's a powerful midfielder and also obviously the potential for another breakthrough for next season yeah we we need that some of those players need that don't they they need to bulk up a little bit mm. you know the Premier League's very physically demanding and uh, in order to maximize their ability with the ball at their feet they're going to need to be able to hold off challenges and they're going to be able to compete on that level as well. So, yeah, I'm all for that. As for um, who do I see as having a surprise breakthrough? I've got to be honest, Tom, I don't really see one mm. at this moment in time. You do you know, not there's think a few... Brooke Norton Cuffey could be one? He could be one, but I'd be lying if I said to you that I've sat and watched him play mm. at full length. I mean, I caught a little bit of the under-19s. Um, I caught some of the game against Italy. And I, I saw maybe 15, 20 minutes of it. And I, I thought, you know, he looks he looks a big lad. He looks powerful, yeah. whatever. But it's it's too little to go by. So it's not that I'm I'm ruling anybody out of, of making that breakthrough. It's just that when I look at them based on my limited knowledge, and I admit it is limited of the under-23s and the under-19s and, and some of the players there, it's really hard for me to say. And I think the fact that we're still bringing in players and, and we haven't really pushed a lot of these players onto the first team suggests to me that there isn't an awful lot coming through after the Sackers, the Smith Rose. Like we, we've kind of had a wave of it. And I think, you know, we, we don't really have anybody in mind as as a standout. I mean, Salah, uh, Ulad Mahand, I think that's how you say mm -hmm. Yeah, has, or Salah you know, also works. Yeah. He's he's been in and around the picture a few times. Omari Hutchinson, another one that people talk about. But do they have what it takes to break through? I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I mean, yeah, what about I think, you? Is there anyone you got an eye on? Yeah, obviously Britton Norton Cuffey is the one. Um, you know, I watched a bit, I watched a few, a couple of his games or through Wire Scout on, you know, on his loan at Lincoln. And he's a he was a class above, you know, and when players go down to League One, you know, you often see players and they kind of just fit. You know, they just kind of fit in with that crowd. They're not necessarily outshining them at a young age. And if you're going to be a Premier League star nine times out of 10, at the age of 18, 19, 20, if you go on loan to League One, you need to be shining. And I know it's a more physical place. I know it's not got the technical skill and the patience, maybe the Premier League at times, but it is more physical. But it is a, still a technical level that's lower than that of the expectations of a first-team Premier League squad. And he outshone easily everyone on the pitch. You know, the way in which he took the ball, his confidence, taking players on. He gave back as much as he got physically. You know, he talked actually about in the interview today, you know, his, his enjoyment of one-on-ones. He doesn't like to be beaten both offensively and defensively. So, yeah, he, he for me, is the one that stands out. Patino's an interesting one. I think he'll get minutes in the Europa League and obviously the League Cup. Um, Nika Biref has left on loan, a loan that I'm very intrigued to see how he gets on. So I think it's a perfect kind of destination for him in the Netherlands to, to kind of flourish. I think he scored a couple of goals on his on his debut, non-competitive debut, I think it was. But, you know, that's going to be an interesting loan deal. Moller's gone back on loan. I think he will be one of those that kind of peters out into, you know, Tyrese John Jules kind of territory and eventually, like him, will leave. Um, Amari Hutchinson, you know, he's an interesting one, made the bench quite a few times. Marcelo Flores, uh, another really interesting attacking player, also made the bench against Crystal Palace. It'll be interesting who goes on loan. I think Hutchinson needs a loan. He was linked with Reading for quite some time, but nothing really moved on that one. And I think Flores probably would do with a loan, maybe to, you know, the continent. I think that might suit his game a bit more than maybe moving down in the, in the English league. So, yeah, I think there's opportunities for people to flourish. We're just going to have to wait. And see, uh, let's go to, I need to learn how to 
not learn how to, I know how to do it, but just get rid of the comments when I've already asked them because otherwise I'm scrolling through these. Um, Abdullah says, uh, how many more players do you think Arsenal will sign? Not how many do we need uh, and in what positions? Uh, I think we'll probably sign, I, I think we'll make two more. That's um, not enough. Significant signings. That's not enough. <laughs> we need three. I, I think we'll make two. I, I think mm. we'll get two. Um, I think we'll get a midfielder and I think we'll get a defensive uh, sort of recruit. I, I, mm. I, I'd like another one. I'd like a winger as well. But I think that's probably what we're going to end up with. And rather than go and make, uh, you know, the wrong signing and uh, or sort of... I, I've said one of the things I've praised Arteta's Arsenal for and, and Edu's kind of ownership of late, not ownership, but, you know, his role of late, is that they haven't divulged very much from a plan that is clearly in place. Mm. And I like that because I think it's really easy to get reactionary, to see your team drop points because of a couple of absences and think, oh my God, I need to address that position now. And then to keep diverting away from actually what you're planning to do and then find yourself lost. I think that's happened to Arsenal many times over the years. So I think that if the right targets are available, let's go and get three players. But I think if if we only get two in those positions I've mentioned, midfield is the number one for me. That's the the position that we have to go and yeah. do business in, in my opinion. So the striker thing was the, the top priority for me. We've addressed that now. I think we need to go and get a midfielder. Anything else I think is imp- is a bit of a bonus. A uh, defender kind of is, is half needed, I think. Yeah, a winger would be a bonus for me. I think the defender with the ability to play left back, you know, is key because we were just so short when Tierney and Tommy Asin weren't there. And I know that we've got Tavares still, but I just think I'd like someone like Martinez who's got that more disciplined approach to playing a left back role like Tommy Asu on the other side. So, you know, you can use Martinez and Cedric and have that balance still. I don't necessarily think we need to use Martinez and Tommy. I don't think that gives you enough necessarily going forwards in those wide positions, but someone that's going to bring you the balance if Tierney isn't there is, is important. Um, and Tavares keeps obviously getting linked uh, elsewhere as well. Um, let's go to, by the way, you know, there's over a thousand of you watching. In fact, there's over a thousand three hundred of you watching. And there's less than 200 likes on the video. So what's that about? Come on, guys. Make sure you click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel if you aren't already. And, of course, make sure you go over and subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna, uh, where you'll be able to find Harry uh, every single day, like myself. And, of course, you'll be able to find me there because we do these shows alternating every week on each other's channels. So next week's show uh, will obviously be over on the Chronicles of Aguna. So make sure that you go and subscribe I'll make sure a link to Harry's channel is, of course, in the description. In fact, I'm going to try and edit the title so it's in. The problem is, Harry, is your, your channel name so bloody long. I know, I know, I know. I, know. I, know. I can't fit it in with all the information. I know. So I, I, I used in. to want to put my channel name in my own title so that it was easier to find mm. um, when people search for it. And it's, it's just too long. You're right. I just abbreviated it to T-C-O-A-G. Even that's bloody long. <laughs> yeah yeah it is um no i think it's you know it's it's a it's a pain because obviously you want to make things more searchable and you know findable but yeah it's a balance that is, is is really frustrating to try and get right uh let's uh go to uh good joke says tom harry in my opinion we can't go into next season with the same midfield being part a jacker and Odegaard. would you guys go for a senior player over 30 for a one year while sambi is maturing i mean i before suggested if Ilkay Gundogan was available, I would have gone for someone of that ilk, you know, this summer without 
batting an eyelid at it, to be honest. Yeah, I think that going down the senior route is is a, a sensible choice if the conditions of the deal are right for us. You know, it's it's one of those where, again, I've just been talking about not diverting away from the plan, but, you know, you can you can supplement the plan by being smart in the transfer market and spotting mm-hmm. opportunities that present themselves and taking advantage of them. I wouldn't be against that. Um, I think that, that Sambi Lokonga has got potential. I really do. I was really excited about that signing before we brought him in. Um, just sort of watching the way he kind of strutted his stuff in Belgium when he was confident. And I feel like as a consequence of being hung out to dry a little bit at times with some of his partners and in some of the ways we've set up, he's, he's struggled a bit. And I feel like his confidence has taken a bit of a dent. The only way that's going to come back, though, is by playing. And I think the Europa League is is the breeding ground for him next season, particularly in the group stage. I think if we get a favourable draw, you could quite easily start Lekonga every game and hopefully build him up again mm-hmm. in that way. And we might get to midway through the season and think very differently of Lekonga and how ready he is to make an impact. But if the opportunity was to present itself, to bring in an experienced player that would come in and help, mm-hmm. then I'd, I'd be up for it. I mean, I don't, don't know what your take is on that. Yeah, I mean, I was, I like Sophie, you know, was talking about Genie Vijnaldum in January as a possible person that could have come in last season. Um, he obviously didn't move in the end, but someone like that, of that kind of level, you know, that's still putting out really top performances, you can't rely on them necessarily to play two games a week, but certainly one game a week at least, and maybe a sub in the other. I think it would be a really good part to have in the group because we've got a very young squad. You know, there aren't too many senior figures these guys are looking up to. You know, people are looking up to the highest paid player now in Gabriel Jesus who's only 25. So you've got Xhaka, you've got Partey, you've got Elneny, and you've got Cedric. And only really Partey and Xhaka, of course, are starting. When you look at Man City squad and Liverpool squad, they've got quite a lot of ageing players in their groups. But the thing about those ageing players is they all start, and they're all starters pretty much. You know, Fernandinho only moved on last this summer. Um, they, they enjoy having those players. You think about Van Dijk, you think about Henderson, you think about Salah and, and previously Mane. You know, these were guys that are approaching, if not over 30 years of age, and were performing at the top of their game. Arsenal tried to chase top four last season, got very close with an exceptionally young squad. Maybe if we'd have had some more, you know, top level experience figures, it would have been different. Maybe signing a couple in January would have changed things. We'll never know. But I do think it's something that balances the squad and maybe is something that does need to be addressed. Um, Let's, uh, there's a couple more that I wanted to go through. We haven't really talked about Martinez. So Matt Thornton says, any ideas on what way the Martinez deal will go? Harry, I know you've got completely every connection in the world regarding this deal and you know firsthand what is going to happen. So tell the people, Harry, tell the people what's going to (laughs) happen. Basically, uh, Lissandro Martinez is going to have a chat with Eric Ten Hag, who's going to um, drop a, a throwaway comment that irritates him. And he's going to say, I'm not joining Manchester United. I'm not going anywhere near you. Get lost. I'm going to Arsenal. No, I'm kidding. Um, what do I think is going to happen here? I think that this one's going to go right down to the wire. I think we are going to get to a place where it is a straight up choice um, between Arsenal and Manchester United for the player. I do believe that Arsenal are into him enough to go to Ajax's asking price if that's what Manchester United are doing. I think the two will be neck and neck throughout the duration of this chase. I think, though, you know, I don't worry as much as other people about the Ten Hag connection because I think that Lissandro Martinez, although he's worked with Ten Hag, is is quite, uh, what's the word, optimistic about what's happening Mm. at Arsenal from what we're hearing. 
I think he'll he'll look at signings like Gabriel Jesus and think, yeah, you know, that's that's Arsenal moving in the right direction. My only worry is this talk of him not being seen as a centre-back by Mikel Arteta. I don't know how accurate that is, but I wonder if that will have an impact in his decision. Yeah. Did you read that bit as well? Yeah, the Athletic reported, didn't they? Yeah, that's that. that they see him pr- as a priority more of a left-back, yeah. which is weird because he didn't play a single game at left-back last year. I know he can play there, but he hasn't played that position in a long time. You yeah, know, that, think... that's the bit I worry about. Because I think yeah. as well, I think when you look at the two projects, Arsenal and Man United, Man United are a huge club. They're financial juggernauts. They've got lots in their corner as well. Mm. But I just think that Arsenal are further down the line. Like I would rather go somewhere where I'm on the kind of cusp of of turning things around as opposed to somewhere starting from scratch. And you look at what's going on at Man United, they still haven't got a deal done for Frankie de Jong. I think Joanne Laporta's kind of, you know, taking the mick out of them a little bit here with some yeah. of his comments. But Cristiano Ronaldo's refusing to, to you know, to to stay at the club with his, I don't know if you saw that video going around today of him supposedly training in Portugal when yeah. he's not turned up to training for family, family reasons. reasons. It's, yeah, it's mad. Like I, I don't really know. And what do you make that, of Chelsea going in for him? That, that, oh, from the Ornstead, that's that's Todd Bowley just trying to to make a statement. Like he's coming. Yeah. I mean, how big has his ego got to be that he's come in, he's binned off all the staff, and made himself interim sporting director. And it just feels to me like he's just trying. Do you know much about him? Has he got any experience in football before? Not in football, no. no. Um, he's got experience in, in American sports, sports yeah. but not in football. He doesn't know anything about it. So it feels to me like he's he's trying mm. to really stamp his mark on the club. And if I were trying to get rid of a player, right? if I were Manchester United trying to sell Cristiano Ronaldo or I was PSG, for example, trying to get Neymar off my books, I'd be pushing them towards Chelsea because I feel like Todd Bowley might bite just because he wants mm. to to make a point, you know, and announce his ownership yeah. at Chelsea. And that could be dangerous for Thomas Tuchel, who, who probably doesn't want these players. And, mm. and that's why I think everything is still up in the air with Chelsea as well. Yeah. And look, I said a number of weeks ago that I think the shock, I, I thought the shock transfer of the summer, and people won't like this, will be Lissandro Martinez to Chelsea. That was kind of my shock, kind of hot take of the summer, that they're not in for him at the moment, but they do need to bring in a defender. And they like a back three, and Martinez kind of will suit that left-sided centre-back role. They've lost Rudiger, Tamori and Christensen in the space of six months. And we've seen them obviously going for Rafinha after Arsenal were heavily moving for him. We know he's trying to make a statement. It feels like also that they're going for players that Arsenal have been linked to in a weird way, like, you know, trying to make a statement in hype up the fans by stealing targets away from potential rivals. It wouldn't surprise me to see you anyone once either of Arsenal or Man United agree a price with Ajax for Chelsea to basically just wait for everyone to do the work for them and then say, we'll match that. You know, we can offer you Champions League football. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Chelsea went in for Lissandra Martinez. They've done that for years as well, Tom. They used to do it to mm. Tottenham all the time. How yeah. many times William. did you? How many times did you hear of Tottenham going in for a player and Chelsea would just come along and yeah. and, and steal them away? It's crazy.
Yeah, Willian, Juan Mata. Um, there's a couple more as well, isn't there? Yeah, really there's been a few up. over the years. There's definitely been a few. I feel like Rudiger was one as well that they were linked when he was at Roma. But um, yeah, there is there is a lot that is coming through. Um, we've gone over a little bit of time, um, and I'm conscious of that because I know there are other shows uh, going live at 8 o'clock because it's a very popular time on a Monday. Um, so I'm going to wrap things up there. I, I do want to give a shout-out to the boys at the Arsenal Lounge because Mike, our good friend, is over there at the moment doing a big debate on um, the ownership and trying to give a perspective on the ownership that not a lot of people share because obviously there's kind of big stigma around the ownership that we hate them or we have to hate them. And Mike's trying to provide some context around and perspective to that about the spending and, you know, what's a fair assumption and debating with Mo uh, as well, who's got a different view. So it's probably worth if you aren't already going over to the Arsenal Lounge and giving that a watch because it should be a good one. Um, but I'd like to take a, take a second, of course, to thank Harry for coming on the show. As always, thanks, mate. Tell people they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, yep, you can find me on the Chronicles of a Goon. It's on YouTube. It's on all major podcast stores. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Harry Simeon. And yeah, um, you can find me anywhere, basically. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'll want to see the next episode of the Canton and Simu show. It will be on Harry's channel next week. So make sure you are subscribed to both to get all of these shows every single week. I'll be live, as always, tomorrow at 8 a.m., keeping you up to date with all the latest Arsenal transfer news. Thank you to everybody that's tuned in to this evening's episode. Before you go, if you could drop a like on the video, I really would appreciate it if you could subscribe if you're new, because I checked the analytics the other day, and only 50% of the people who watch the videos are subbed. So you got a sub. Freeloaders, unbelievable, unbelievable. It's just one button click, that's all it does. It's, it's unreal, anyway. Thanks, to you, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Of course, we'll keep you up to date with all the breaking stories as they come through on the channel. Um, and yeah, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.